Welcome to the Divine Service on this Feast of the Holy Trinity. A couple of announcements to highlight Bible class, weather permitting, and today weather permits, will be on the patio. There'll be seating for, I suppose, 80 out there. Anytime you want to bring uh, a lawn chair or something to sit out on the grass, you're welcome to do that, or a blanket. Uh, today it looks like it's overcast, but you will, in the future, if it's sunny, want to have your Sunday bonnet. Um, so I have a cowboy hat and sunglasses. So um, uh, you'll want to do that. Uh, you'll be facing the building with the sun behind you, but it still can be warm. Uh, secondly, there is a congregational assembly meeting. Uh, two weeks from today, it'll be held on the patio, so we don't have a numbers uh, concern for the approval of the budget election of new board members of the congregation for open seats, and also um, extending of solemn appointments uh, to two teachers so that they can be rostered uh, through the synod. Um, if weather on that Sunday does not permit, then it'll be moved to the Sunday following. So uh, two weeks from today is the 21st. If the weather doesn't permit on the 21st, it'll be the 28th. And there's packets um, that have the budget uh, for 2020-2021 in the narthex. Um, this week, there's an event at Maple Avenue School where people are coming in. If you come for daily chapel or other events during the week at peace, we can still park at Maple Avenue School, but go all the way to the back, the old asphalt, where the buses typically turn around, and you can park there or, of course, on the street in front of the building. Um, Sherry, is there anything further? I will say about the service today, uh, Lance Karras will be the elder ushering you up for communion. Um, stay together in families uh, or couples, and we'll be uh, communing about approximately 10 at a time at the communion rail. In case you were wondering, it's been publicized before, but the purificator used for the chalice is um, uh, alcohol uh, soaked, uh, so for the chalice. I also um, uh, wash my hands immediately prior to the distribution. I know some were thinking it might be more sanitary to do this, but actually if my hands are washed, it may not be, not knowing where your hands have been in the first place. So our traditional practice may be uh, the best. Um, any questions that anyone might have? We begin with the opening hymn, 590.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart, and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you and justly deserved your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death, of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, and in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Blessed be the Holy Trinity and the undivided unity. Let us give glory to him because he has shown his mercy to us. mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him. Oh, and never shall be. 
Blessed be the Holy Trinity and the undivided unity. Let us give glory to him because he has shown his mercy to us. and everlasting God. You have given us grace to acknowledge the glory of the eternal Trinity by the confession of a true faith and to worship the unity in the power of the divine majesty. Keep us steadfast in this faith and defend us from all adversities. For you, O Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, live and reign one God now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the Feast of the Holy Trinity is recorded in the prophet Isaiah, chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. 
Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Blessed are you, O Lord, who beholds the deep and who dwells between the cherubim. The epistle is recorded in St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 11. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him? and it shall be repaid to him. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Blessed are you, O Lord, God of our fathers, and greatly to be praised and glorified Gospel according to St. John, the third chapter. Glory be to thee, O There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. 
This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel? Do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. You may be seated. As is the custom of the church on Holy Trinity Sunday, we confess the faith with the words of the Athanasian Creed, page 319. The Athanasian Creed, page 319, confessed responsibly, whole verse by whole verse. Whoever desires to be saved must above all Hold the Catholic faith. Whoever does not keep it whole and undefiled will without doubt perish eternally. And the Catholic faith is this. That we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance. For the Father is one person, the Son is another, and the Holy Spirit is another. But the Godhead of the Father, and of the Son, and 
Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Spirit. The Father infinite, the Son infinite, the Holy Spirit infinite. The Father eternal, the Son eternal, the Holy Spirit eternal. And yet there are not three eternals, but one eternal. In the same way, the Father is Almighty, the Son Almighty, the Holy Spirit Almighty. And yet there are not three Almighties, but one Almighty. So the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. And yet there are not three gods, but one God. So the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, the Holy Spirit is Lord. Just as we are compelled by the Christian truth to acknowledge each distinct person as God and Lord, so also are we prohibited by the Catholic religion to say that there are three gods or lords. The Son is neither made nor created, but begotten of the Father alone. Thus, there is one Father, not three fathers, one Son, not three sons, one Holy Spirit, not three Holy Spirits. And in this Trinity, none is before or after another, none is greater or less than another. But the whole three persons are co-eternal with each other and co-equal. So that in all things, as has been stated above, the Trinity in unity and unity in Trinity is to be worshipped. Therefore, whoever desires to be saved must think thus about the Trinity. But it is also necessary for everlasting salvation that one faithfully believe the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is God, begotten from the substance of the Father before all ages, and he is man, born from the substance of his mother in this age. Perfect God and perfect man, composed of a rational soul and human flesh, equal to the Father with respect to his divinity, less than the Father with respect to his humanity. One, however, not by the conversion of the divinity into flesh, but by the assumption of the humanity into God. 
For as the rational soul and flesh is one man, so God and man is one Christ. Who suffered for our salvation, descended into hell, rose again the third day from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father, God Almighty, from whence he will come to judge the living and the dead. All those who have done good will enter into eternal life, and those who have done evil into eternal fire. This is the path of faith. Whoever does not believe it faithfully and firmly cannot be saved.
Blessed be the Holy Trinity and the undivided unity. Let us give all glory to him, for he has shown his mercy to us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do, unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. So Nicodemus was confused when he came to Jesus by night, a member of the Pharisees, a ruler of the council of the Jews in Jerusalem. He knew that there was something different about Jesus, but he could not quite put his finger on it. No one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus was right. But he didn't understand. God the Father was with his only begotten Son. You must be born again. You must be born from above. How can a man be born, Nicodemus said, when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So much for human reason, understanding the things of God. Exactly what was it that Nicodemus was confused about. At the heart of his confusion was confusion over God's love manifest in the signs that Jesus performed. His reason could not grasp it. You see, Nicodemus was actually confused about who God is. And what we're taught by Jesus in the gospel for Holy Trinity is that apart from faith in Christ, the miracle of faith wrought by the Holy Spirit, we cannot understand the things of God. We cannot know who God is. Nor can we begin to understand and fathom what St. Paul wrote about in Romans 11, the depth and the breadth of God's love. To be born again is better translated to be born from above. That is literally what the Greek text means. To be born from above. Jesus was teaching Nicodemus about the necessity for the miracle of faith to be created in the heart in order to grasp the things of the Spirit of God, to understand who God is and who we are in relationship to God and one another. Apart from God's Word, and the regeneration of holy baptism, which is called being born of water and the Spirit, we cannot really know God, nor can we know ourselves, or what the love of God is really all about. It is the Holy Spirit who brings us to this faith. According to Jesus' teaching. The Holy Spirit blows like the wind. By God's word, the Spirit blows, works repentance, draws us to holy baptism so that we are born from above by water and the Spirit. How can these things be? 
They're a miracle. A miracle. Faith is a miracle. Love for Jesus is a miracle. Love that embraces the grace of God for unworthy sinners and that holds fast to it, that's a miracle. It results in other miracles born of the gospel of God's grace in Christ, like love for enemies, for persecutors, for slanderers. That, too, is a miracle of God's word and spirit in the hearts and lives of Christians. In Jesus' catechesis to Nicodemus, he talks about seeing the kingdom of God and entering the kingdom of God. Both of those things, seeing and entering, are references to faith in Christ, the faith that the Holy Spirit creates in our hearts. So to see and to enter is to believe, and it is to love the Lord Jesus and to cling to him who gave his life for us as unworthy, undeserving sinners. Everlasting life is God's promise to all who believe in Jesus, to all who see him, to all who enter into the kingdom of God by faith. Again, we repeat, we must be born from above to truly know and believe in Jesus and the God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus' catechesis to Nicodemus in this nighttime encounter includes one of the most famous and well-known and beloved passages for all Christians. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Given the times in which we live, you know these times. It would be good for us to revisit these words God so loved the world. The God of whom Jesus speaks is the Holy Trinity, and we'll pull this apart on the basis of this text in Bible class today. The one God in three persons, whose nature is love, and that self-giving, sacrificial nature of God's love is depicted in that famous verse, John 3.16. The world and all that is in it is created by God the Father in love, a love that is generous beyond measure, or our ability to actually fathom. And at the center of the love of God for the world that God created is mankind, made in the image of the triune God of love. From God's point of view, from the point of view of the Holy Scriptures, there is no such thing as race or different races of people. The white race, the red race, the brown race, the black race, that's all a lie. The Scriptures don't even use the word in any sense. There is only one humanity that descended from the one man, Adam, and his wife, Eve, now, I want you to think about this. God formed Adam out of the dust of the ground, and then the Spirit of God breathed life into him. 
That means that every man, woman, and child who has ever lived is a descendant of our father Adam and his bride Eve. Eve was made by God from Adam's side. Every human being who has ever lived descends from this blessed one flesh union. It's why in Genesis, Eve is called the mother, not of all white people, but the mother of all the living. We were created by God. The image, a reflection of the triune God of love. This communion of love between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit who proceeds in love from the Father. We were created in the image of God to live from and in this selfless, self-giving, and sacrificial love of God. We were created to be as God is, a true family, if you were, of loving persons. But that's not what we see, is it? It is not what we experience in our world today, is it? It's not even, at times, what we experience in the church, among baptized Christians who have been born of water and the Spirit and who believe these truths. When Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit, we became thoroughly corrupted by sin. And sin's very nature is selfish. It is bent in. It is introverted. The works of the sinful flesh are described in the book of Galatians. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. That's quite a list. The inflection of my voice highlighted certain things given the times in which we live. Anything we are experiencing today in the sins of the world and in the sins of our own hearts is from that list. The Ten Commandments teach us what sin is in God's terms. Insurrection, rebellion, rioting under the Fourth Commandment, the destruction of human life under the fifth commandment, the destruction of marriage and family as God ordained and instituted under the sixth commandment, pillaging and mayhem, the stealing of people's property and the destruction of their means to make a living under the seventh commandment, and the list goes on and on. But let us return here to Nicodemus and what it is that he actually did not understand. It appeared to him, as we hear from the beginning of the text, that God was working through Jesus. But how can this be? Who could do the kinds of things Jesus was doing? Yet if God were working through Jesus then God was doing the kinds of things that the Pharisee, the self-righteous Nicodemus, did not expect. What was he doing? He was reaching out to sinners of every sort, not to confirm them in their sin or to embrace their sin, but to save them from their sin. 
and to give them new life. It seemed to Nicodemus and the Pharisees as if Jesus showed no partiality. Jews, Gentiles, Samaritans, all seemed to be treated the same way by Jesus. The objects of his love and his miracles of mercy testify to that love. How can this be? God must be working through him, but God is not doing the kinds of things I expect him to do. Jesus' explanation to Nicodemus was simple. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And we know how many times the Apostle Paul in particular uses the word flesh not simply to discuss the uh, you know, physical material of our bodies, but the corruption of sin, this bent-in nature that permeates every aspect of our being. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit, that is to say, the Holy Spirit, that which is born from above is of the Spirit, becoming a partaker of all those gracious gifts of which we articulated earlier, which are God's by nature. And the list of the works of the flesh is a description of what is characteristic to the flesh of all of us, regardless of skin color, culture, or country. The flesh of every one of us is bent inward in selfishness and pride. From Adam's fall to the Tower of Babel, to the peasants and strife between the nobility of the Middle Ages, to the caste system of India, to the tribalism of Africa, whose people, to our eyes, look all the same. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. But this mass of sinful humanity is who God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. So Nicodemus' question, how can this be, could be rephrased in this way. How could it be that God would love these people? Let's just gaze across our country, the cities of our country, all of the things that are happening in our country today, and see in that Jesus' words, God so loved the world. This is too much. How can he love these people? How can he love me? And that's fundamentally what Nicodemus was confused about. How could Jesus reach out to people who were so full of hatred, murder, injustice, jealousy, envy, outbursts of wrath? But he does. No one can truly know God, the Holy Trinity, and the love of God in Christ unless he is born from above by water and the Spirit through the testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A miracle must take place. The great theologian and poet Bernard of Clairvaux wrote, the love of Jesus, what it is, none but his loved ones know. Those sinners who by a miracle of the Spirit have come to know and embrace and trust this love. The upheaval of our times is actually not unique. Just read the Bible. 
and look at human history. The names and circumstances have changed, but the sins of the flesh remain the same. More importantly, however, the love of God in Christ Jesus remains the same. The more intense the times get in which we live, the more it seems to us as if the things that we believe in and trust in are threatened, the more the church needs to preach, teach, and confess the love of God in Christ with words that reach out to all people. The more we see society and culture unraveling before us, the more we need to pray, entrusting ourselves and the whole world to God's desire that all be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, the more we need to pray for the miracle of repentance and faith. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That bronze serpent in the Old Testament bore the image of the viper that bit the children of Israel. Jesus, being lifted up upon the cross, bears more than the image of our sin and rebellion. He takes it all into his flesh. Yes, the more things change, the more things remain the same. On this feast of the Holy Trinity, when we confess those sublime words of the Athanasian Creed, let us not fall prey to the temptation to believe that these words are irrelevant to the times in which we live. They are imminently practical. Let us embrace anew the love of God for all sinful humanity in the suffering and death of Jesus Christ, God's only Son. The confession of the Athanasian Creed, over 1,500 years old, is as relevant today as when it was first confessed. Do you know why? Because it's the truth. And the truth of God is always relevant, and it always speaks to us, even if we are at times, and maybe very often, like Nicodemus, unable to understand. We must always confess and stand upon the truth of the Athanasian Creed, quoting especially these words. It is necessary for everlasting salvation that one faithfully believe the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the incarnation, enfleshment. Perfect God and perfect man. Although he is God and man, he is not two, but one Christ. One, however... And here's the key phrase. Not by the conversion of the divinity into flesh, but by the assumption of the humanity into God. Close quote. He assumed our humanity. This is what faith alone can believe. In the incarnation of the Son of God, all humanity from every tribe, language, nation, and culture, is embraced by Jesus and redeemed by the blood of his cross. How can this be? 
because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Blessed be the Holy Trinity and the undivided unity. Let us give all glory to him because he has shown his mercy to us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Almighty God, we give thanks for all your goodness and bless you for the love that sustains us from day to day. We praise you for the gift of your Son, our Savior, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, for your Holy Church, for the preaching of the Gospel and the blessed sacraments of Christ, for the lives of all the faithful, for our beloved Synod and all her church workers for the hope of the resurrection and the life to come. Grant us to treasure in our hearts all that you have done for us. Enable us to confess you boldly, to remain steadfast in the true faith, and to give of ourselves in faithful and loving service to others. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, your Son, Jesus Christ, came to bring us peace with you and with one another. Violence and conflict, sedition and rebellion threaten our nation. Racial unrest foments among us. Injustice and lawlessness undermine our nation and the rule of law. End discord and strife in our nation. Restore calm and security. Heal the wounds that have been inflicted upon our nation. Cause your church to reach out with the comfort and love of the gospel and the promise of eternal peace in Christ to those who do not know him. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, deliver us from this worldwide pandemic. Give health to the sick, comfort to the grieving, community to the lonely, perseverance to doctors and nurses, and wisdom to federal, state, and local officials, and courage to the church, never to fail in giving the gift of the one thing needful in Christ's word and sacraments. Lord, in your mercy. Merciful Lord, give courage, wisdom, and perseverance to our brother, Reverend Roosevelt Gray, as he leads our Synod in African-American ministry, 
Grant us to know and believe that we are all one race, descendants of our father Adam, and redeemed from the slavery of sin by the precious blood of the second Adam, our Lord Jesus Christ. As he has made of the many one, deliver us from the scourge of racism and prejudice of every kind. Grant us true repentance that our witness to the world of the grace and love of Christ may be pure and unhindered by our sins. Lord, in your mercy. By your word and spirit, comfort all who are in sorrow or need, sickness or adversity, especially your servants Roger, Jeremy, David, Walter, Pat, Kurt, Lois, and Katie Fisher's unborn child. Be with those who suffer persecution for the faith. Have mercy on those to whom death draws near, especially Kurt and Lois. And bring consolation to those in sorrow. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Gracious Lord, protect and defend the sanctity of life from the womb and cradle to the last moment of life for the most aged and infirm among us. We commend to you our desire to promote and strengthen your gift of Christian marriage and family life in a culture which is becoming increasingly hostile to your good gifts. We celebrate the baptismal birthdays of Pat, Jennifer, Lisa, Jim, and Lois, and the wedding anniversaries of Pete and Brenda, Dale and Kim, Tyler and Rachel, Jim and Mary Ellen, Paul and Sue. Enable us to lift up the Christian view of marriage, life, and family that is in accord with your word, that celebrates the gift and sanctity of life, marriage, and family, and that promotes the blessings and joys of what it is to be faithful men and women, husbands and wives, fathers and mothers. Lord, in your mercy. O blessed and ever-holy Trinity, grant us to hold fast to the Catholic faith, keeping it whole and undefiled without doubt, that we worship you alone, one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity. Bless our divine services, that through the church's liturgy and hymnody, we might faithfully worship you, ever believing and confessing that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is both God and man who suffered for our salvation and rose from the dead to give life and salvation to the world. Lord, in your mercy. All these things and whatever else you know that we need, grant us, Father, for the sake of him who died and rose again and now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.
the Lord be with you. unto the Lord our God. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, who with your only begotten Son and the Holy Spirit are one God, one Lord. In the confession of the only true God, we worship the Trinity in person and the unity and substance of majesty co-equal. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. 
Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you body and soul in the true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace. Amen.
All give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with the Spirit. Bless we the Lord. bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.